Welcome to episode 316 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell, and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Oh. We also have Jaime Lopez Jr. on the line in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? All right, geez. Going good. Um, so, uh, let's see. Uh, just quick fact check. Uh, I was talking about um, floppies last week. Uh, again, we're talking about the three and a half inch floppy disks, and that's kind of what I started with because I actually started with a Mac. Was my first sort of main computer, even though I did use Commodores and stuff before that. Um, but day to day and day in and day out. Uh, and the I mentioned the, the high density floppies at uh, 800 kilobytes, which is wrong because it was actually 1.44 megabytes was the was the high density disks. The disks originally the the floppy disks originally or they weren't really floppy, but the 3.5 inch floppies were originally 360 kilobytes or 720 kilobytes. But on the Mac, because we had I don't know we didn't have as much over had we had we could you we would get 400 kilobytes and 800 kilobytes um of space right and then the, the double density ones were or the high density ones were 1.4 megabytes anyway and they were actually floppy how we, the, the, no so, this yeah they were they were actually the reason they're called floppy is because well they're, no, they're used no, to no i be, know the, the five five and a quarters were right yeah yeah but but even the three and a halves the actual medium the media the disc oh, okay, itself yeah, yeah. was was this piece of kind of plasticish magnetic plastic film it was yeah, you were writing on rust. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that part was floppy. It was like cellophane or whatever yeah, with rust. Yeah, yeah. Rust but with the three and a half inches, they put them inside of a hard shell case essentially. Whereas the five and a quarter ones were in kind of a, like a nylon case. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and an old joke from one of our Mac user groups. I don't know if you remember Mac user groups, but uh, we were talking about viruses once, and one of the guys said, "What? You take the little plastic sleeve off your floppies? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little plastic. Never mind. All right." That's like a dad joke. You're just supposed to groan. Alrighty. Um, So uh, we'll start off with follow-up with Mark. Yeah, so we talked uh, a couple of times, I think, about the fact that ARM, which is the company that makes the IP that Apple is using for the Apple Silicon. So they make the design, essentially, of the microprocessor that, that all sorts of companies can, can lease and use to build their own chips. Uh, we talked a while back about them. The rumor was that they were shopping themselves to be acquired, uh, and it looks like that's actually happening. So NVIDIA is buying ARM for $40 billion dollars, which is pretty amazing, pretty high price. Buying it actually from current owners, which are SoftBank, the Japanese bank. So this is kind of interesting. I don't think it will have any real immediate effects on Apple or other companies, because I think it would be kind of crazy for NVIDIA to, if they tried to shut down that you know, that business, it would just be, you know, it would be a disaster for the industry for one thing. And they must be, you know, they'd, they'd lose all of the revenue that, that uh, ARM is generating right now. So I don't think, I don't think that's the idea that they're behind them buying this. I think they probably think they can make a good business out of it. So, yeah. So in, in 9to5Mac, I also posted a link here for that same story, um, but uh, they, they do they do sort of look a little deeper into the Apple thing, and they mentioned that Apple and NVIDIA have had a rocky road for the last little while, um, but uh, NVIDIA says that ARM will continue to operate its open license model while maintaining a global customer neutrality, and has been the foundation of its success, which is to say that, you know, they're not going to, like Apple licenses the design, right? The From from ARM, right? Right. I think we talked about this before, that, that ARM doesn't actually make chips per se, right? That's so. correct. And neither does NVIDIA for that matter. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. They don't make chips? 
But they're they're like a graphics card people, aren't they? The ones that made the the, G, the right. graphics but, accelerators. Uh, but their all their silicon is made overseas in a foundry. Okay, okay. Are they the California company Nvidia? They are. Yeah, they're right up the oh. street from where I live. As a matter of fact. Hmm. There you go. Yeah, basically at the corner of Santa Claus Expressway and and Central Expressway. You right. know the Bay Area. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Uh, that's that. And then so we off to Harmony for some App Store updates. Yeah, the uh, App Store review guidelines have been updated, and uh, very nicely, you 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 don't need to use one of those fancy pants diffing mechanisms that we've linked to oh, really? in the show's history. Apple did us a solid and said, "Here are the changes." And I don't know if you guys uh, read through any of these, but um, you know, you can just pick some interesting ones in no random order. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, or sorry, in any random order would be what I went to say there. Um, so of course you'd expect things like you know for new features like app clips widgets extensions notifications you know uh, that's described in uh, 2516 uh, scrolling way down there are clarifications 231 don't include any hidden dormant or undocumented features in your app your app's functionality should be clear to end users and app review which is a little uh, a little clarification there for uh, you know something of an epic nature um, <laughs> uh, and then there's some around uh, another sort of interesting battle they've had 4.9 streaming games are permitted so long as they adhere to all guidelines for example each game update must be submitted for review developers must provide appropriate metadata for search games must use in-app purchase to unlock features functionality etc of course there is always the open internet and web browser apps to reach all users outside of the app store uh, and related to that are 4.91 and 4.92 that basically say here is something you could technically do if you wanted to offer a streaming game service thinking of something like a Google Stadia or uh, Microsoft's xCloud. These are wildly unreasonable <laughs> guidelines. Like, to be clear, this is, uh, you know, until legislators uh, make it illegal to do so or courts decide that it is, uh, you know, against the law to, to do so. It's, it's their store. They can go by their rules. But for me, I'm like, wow, like there's, there's just no way you could have every game that would be available through something like Microsoft xCloud, one, go through App Store review because like there's yet another mm, uh, right. sort of policy like there there is some sort of review that, that microsoft goes through so as a game developer you'd have to go through another potentially contradictory uh you know uh store review and and sort of another thing on there is like well they don't do that with netflix content right is anybody aware of uh netflix's uh uh you know flirting with uh you know pedophilic content <laughs> or at least getting very very close to it um is is apple going to review all uh all new series and and documentaries and movies submitted to Netflix because uh, given what Netflix did, they, maybe they should. Uh, I say that facetiously, but using it as an example of like, this wouldn't hold for other streaming type of, of uh, content. Why why are games so treated uh, uniquely here? And we can argue sort of back and forth about the why, but it's like, well, when you really tear into it, these are like very unreasonable um, guidelines to have around streaming games. Although I, I do admit that like, far as I know, it seems like it's totally okay for Apple to, to decide that right if they decided every app icon must be orange i mean dude that's the, that's their store they can make go, yeah, go get yeah. your designer to come with a pleasant orange that sticks out from the crowd right um, it's kind of interesting to read these. Yeah, it's interesting that I noticed too that, that there's another one about uh, games offering a streaming a game service subscription must be downloaded directly from the Apple Store, which is kind of a similar thing. So, uh, um, I, just looking ahead, did you actually add that story that you posted in the Slack channel today about Epic and Apple that we didn't start the fire one? 
<laughs> no, I didn't add that in there. That was uh, uh, that was a cheeky comment that I made in the uh, Friends yeah. of the Show channel. In uh, well, since you brought Slack. up Epic, I want to I want to I want to circle back to Slack and talk about that one. Um, it's in the Friends of the Show channel, Mark. If you're looking for it, yeah, I saw. It. Um, yeah. So so what I got out of that out of that was that that Apple was saying that we didn't start this fight. Epic basically just decided to fight Apple like, rather than dealing with the review guidelines. We've all had this where something gets rejected for whatever reason you grumble you know you go check the resolution guide you know you might complain or send them an email or whatever um but in this case it sounds like epic you know kind of just decided to to pick a fight with the bear right um you know don't you know they say don't poke the bear right and uh and apple's like we didn't start this and this is you know they could totally fix this problem themselves and and also point out that apple points out that uh that epic or apple's ios is or ios is a small part of epic's business right so it's like why are they even bothering to pick this fight you know just to, is it just to make uh points and and they also I, I don't know if they were being facetious too but they pointed out that at the time that this started epic's uh fortnite was waning a little bit and i think by they're saying that pro- possibly by picking this fight with apple they're getting some notoriety in the marketplace and you know like all of a sudden it's it's kind of like free publicity you know because they're picking a fight with with apple but uh, i don't know if you guys got that out of this this article that i may posted into the from the verge by the way for those you driving at home what do you think i mean i, I think apple's right they did they did start it you know, they knew the rules they've been following the rules for years and they suddenly decided to disobey the rules so what do they expect to happen yeah and and so by by rather than rather than like the rest of us you know uh who either change our feature or take out that like they i think they said they could take out one thing in the in the app and and they would have then apple would have accepted them and he said it's not that they've been kicked out of the store it's just that they you know they broke the contract and and now they're out of the store like the rest of us would be yeah and they just have to fix reverse whatever change they made that upset that apple said was was against the the rules and they'd be back in the store there's like there's no point in like going to a judge or jury since you brought it up jaime you know is that what you meant by when you said uh, going to courts and stuff yeah the, so the, the quote that uh, that i read and and i'll point out here that uh, if folks want the the context uh, you know join the friends of the show channel on our slack um quoting here from 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 apple epic started a fire and poured gasoline on it and now asked this court for emergency assistance in putting it out even though epic can do so itself in an instant by simply adhering to the contractual terms that have profitably governed its relationship with apple for years this court was right when it ruled sorry when it previously ruled that self-inflicted wounds are not irreparable injury which i thought was uh pun intended a sick burn that made me think of the billy joel song we didn't start the fire so we didn't start the fire it was always burning since the world's been turning we didn't start the fire no we didn't light it but we tried to fight it were the the cheeky lyrics that i decided to quote when i posted in the slack there that it's like you know that it's kind of unusual to see apple come out and be more than just big corporation with you know expensive lawyers that 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 say a lot but don't really say anything at all uh and in this case they they had a a johnny cochran-esque sort of level of of making it very concrete of this is our opinion of what you're doing uh to both you know the court and their their opponent it, it's it's kind of unusual to see apple apple do that sort of thing which is notable and interesting and it, it, it tying it back to these um review guidelines it, I, I think that's why some of these things are are in here about like uh, you know how 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 strictly can they follow the don't include any hidden dormant or undocumented features mm-hmm. in your app right like the just about every non-trivial app does that you've got a b testing you've got 
uh, we're not really sure if this feature is ready to roll. We'll put it out there, and if it looks good, we'll we'll turn it on for everybody. Otherwise, just our employees mm-hmm. will use it. Like there's all sorts of ways that are not nefarious and not looking to pick a, a public battle with Apple that you could run afoul of if you were to read this you know, strictly as as like a lawyer sort of thing. There are lots of stories though about about apps that have features that got turned on after review. I mean, there was a whole. It was I think a couple of years ago we talked about some guy who had this framework that would enable features after your your app was in passed through apple's uh, store you know you could, you could go in and flip a switch and uh, upload up in uh, enable a feature that wasn't you know present when when it was going through review like some new feature or some gizmo but, but yeah so we, we've seen that before you know uh, and i think there was like we uh, there was a talk done by one of the guys who used to who was one of the original app store review um, heads uh, talking about you know we talked about this before where, where you know they'll put in like cupertino ips or looking for specific ips that belong to apple and and you know hide features behind them you know uh, and some of them are dumb enough to put like you know the, the put cupertino in the name of the function or method um and you know obviously they got got busted by doing that, you know, yeah, or geofence around Apple's headquarters. Geofencing, yeah, yeah, yeah geofencing, yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, um, there's something else about the, or the article. Anyway, I can't remember what it is. So maybe it'll come back to me later. A couple of, of other ones. One of them, three two two vi. I was this not already one? Apps should not require users to rate the app, review the yeah, app, watch yeah. videos, download other apps, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, to um, you know, in order to access functionality, use the app, receive monetary or other compensation. Like, wasn't that already a thing that? you weren't allowed to do is this one yeah that- I, th- I think that was sort of an unwritten thing you couldn't you couldn't like harass people to to but i mean we've always had that rate mechanism thing in there and i think it annoyed people right i think mm-hmm, a lot of mm-hmm. times because we've talked about that that was we talked about that in, almost in our first year about how to properly you know ask for ratings not to like not to do it on the on the first launch or like you know second launch or whatever but like you know give it some time let them create a number of records or something like that and and then politely ask them to review you you know uh, but yeah i think i think that Maybe 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 it wasn't clearly stated enough, or stated clearly enough to, for people to really get that right. So, well, this is taking it to a whole other level. They're sa- they're saying that you can't do things like, hey, you want to get a free level of this game? Well, rate it, and then you get that free level. You can't do things like that. No, I mean that, that you're right. That does sound like a whole other level. But they wouldn't have come up. I mean, would they have come up with this on their own, or or they have have they run across this in oh, I'm sure they in have. other apps in the store? Yeah, right? I'm sure so, they have. One of the ones that yeah. scares me that apparently they've they've run across is. 322X. Uh, apps offering personal loans must clearly and conspicuously disclose all loan terms, including but not limited to equivalent maximum annual percentage rate, APR, and payment due date. Apps may not charge a maximum APR higher than 36%, including costs and fees, and may not require repayment in full in 60 days or less. That sounds like a what? payday loan or something. Are there yeah. payday loan yeah. apps or something? Yeah. Like, I guess so. Thank heavens Maybe. I've not run so across you, these. So you can charge a minimum APR higher than 36% though? <laughs> 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 our, our APR starts from thirty-seven percent and goes up to a thousand percent. I guess it, I guess the implication is that the absolute maximum is a hundred percent. So if your minimum is higher than thirty-six percent, then your maximum is also higher than thirty-six percent. A math guy. Yeah, Although I guess no, really weird. I guess there's no actually there's no real fundamental reason that the APR has to be lower than hundred percent though. Yeah, that's a weird way they wrote it. Yeah, I mean I'm sure what they're what they're aiming for is these variable rates, right? Where where uh, they can jump up based on you know you miss a payment or something and your rate jumps up like a credit card does that sometimes 
times. Uh, so they're saying that if you have some kind of variable rate and your maximum APR is higher than 36, that's prohibited. But it does seem to have a loophole that you could have a minimum rate higher than 30 of 37%, and then you're fine. <laughs> this is an interesting one. All new features, functionality, and product changes must be described specifically in the notes for review section of the App Store content. Like, is that really something we've had to do in the past or would should do? I mean, like, you know, like if you just add a new, like if I add, like, you know, I don't know, locations to disk tracker all of a sudden, is that like something I have to disclose? So generic descriptions will be rejected. That's interesting. Yeah. And accessible for review, it says here too, I guess. So Apple has to be able to test it. Hmm. We'll see what happens with those, you know, every two weeks we release a new app and bring you fun new stuff yeah. uh, and fix bugs yeah. that everybody uses when and they don't want to add actual real app store review um, sections. Yeah, kind of. I kind of wonder, like, you know, like some apps might just roll out a new feature or change a feature. Do they need to tell the tell Apple that? I guess I don't know. Weird. Shall we move on? Sure. We've got the link in the show notes for those of you driving at home. Go go take a look at those updates. See if anything applies to you. This next article, and of course, is from Gordon Kelly. I think it's our one of our favorite people, Mark. If that if I'm not mistaken, um, is it one of our favorite favorite people? Yeah. Um, yeah. He doesn't seem to like Apple very much. No. But uh, anyway, he's just talking about how the iPhone. Well, this isn't isn't old news now. Like the the iPhone 12 launch is now officially late, but then Apple already said that it was going to be late, so it's kind of like not really, it's kind of like fake news or not really news. Um, I think that people were, some people were expecting that there might be a phone announced, but I think we all were pretty clear that it wasn't going to, we didn't think it was going to be in a phone this this last event announcement. Um, and, you know, it's no surprise that, uh, that they're doing this, but I think, what did he say in the article here? Something about releases revealed. When are they being released? Um, yeah, that they won't be part of the event. And, oh, yes, a newly renamed 6.1-inch iPhone 12 Plus. I guess that's new, right? And the 6.1 iPhone 12 Pro. Those are those are new new announcements, I guess, from this article. And that's, that's the iPhone 12 so far. Yeah, I'm really hoping that this newer rumor that I'd seen elsewhere, that, like, maybe they'll have the iPhone event on the 30th. Um, it didn't say when the devices themselves would be available. That that would be nice, because I, I am hoping to get a new phone, so I definitely want to hear about it and, and get myself all excited. Along with the iOS 15 release, because that'll give us plenty of time to make sure our <laughs> apps are working fine. We released it yesterday. It's already downloaded to your phones. Yeah. <laughs> it's about, yeah, it's yeah, about yeah. to reboot and install it. you itself. didn't test it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the next story here is that uh, about the uh, uh, the sad news, or possibly sad news about the MacBook Air. Um, Evan Spence, again, from Forbes, is predicting or writing that uh, with the introduction of the A14X uh, to start next month, um, and Apple moving towards ARM-based Macs that the the MacBook Air uh, might get left behind in terms of a, a format or a size. Um, yeah, and this is what you talked about yesterday with the five nanometer uh, wafer. Not five nanometer. That, that's, that's not the size of the. Um, that was the, the the big small number that they talked about yesterday, right, Mark? The five nanometer uh, transistors. Yeah, so five nanometer is well. So they used to talk about transistor technologies by the size of the uh, the polysilicon gate that patterns yeah. the the size of the transistor. So you, when they said, you know, like a one micron technology or, a, you know, a 250 um, you know, um, nanometer technology, something like that, uh, it used to be the transistor size, but but it's moved on from that. It's now, this is this is getting to the, the inside baseball, into the weeds, but it's now the pitch of the first metal layer 
because that's actually a lot smaller than the, the transistor in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it's the it's basically the size of the metal line essentially. Yeah. So you're saying here that that uh, in in looking at the marketing that they've done with the Intel powered stuff is is one thing, but as Izzy says, if you look at the YouTube page, scroll down to the bottom, you'll not find the the MacBook Pro or the MacBook Air in the offerings there. So I don't know if that really means that they're they're going to drop this stuff, but uh, yeah, who knows? yeah. So maybe rumors. it's just the name Air is just going to go away. Who knows? Yeah, right. More clickbait. Yeah. Well, the other thing too is that, that uh, I think I pointed out is that that uh, I went I went with the Mac I went back to a MacBook Pro 13 after many many years of using Air because they're effectively the same size right um but i get i get more oomph with the with the pro right so yeah so it's kind of it's kind of like and like you know the difference between like a 17 when the hair came out you had the 17 inch cafeteria tray right mac and it was huge and heavy and whatever right so and then the 15 came out shortly after like the 15 that we now know as the macbook pro right um but the 13 air or the third sorry the 13 pro is so much smaller now that it, it practically is a macbook air for all intents and purposes right in fact it's smaller than my 2013 macbook air so yeah okay move on so i, I posted this story here from from pete steinberger uh a review of what he calls the state of swift ui and he's gone through and he, an example he uses to to sort of pick pick apart swift ui where we are today um and that's based on what we had last year and what we what we saw come out of wwc is uh is he's taken the fruta app that uh, apple provided which is which is built on multiple platforms it runs on um ios iPad OS and Mac OS, uh, and you can play around with it. And he's gone through and and looked at some of the things that that happened, crashes that happened based on the different architectures and that kind of stuff. I don't know if you guys had a chance to look at this, but looking at at the way that you know some of the things work on Mac side and how they work on on iPad and iOS, quite a bit different. So and he's looked at the performance of the of the um, of the very of, of build basically the, the timing and that kind of stuff with the Swift UI. Um, can't remember anything that stuck out, but he was just sort of saying. Like if you're if you're looking at iOS 14 and that's your target thing, then then if you're sort of a hobbyist or you have individual screens in your in your app, then Swift UI works pretty well. Um, but yeah, he's he's finding that if you have multiple screens and you know pushing use use different view model kind of things, um, you'll have trouble with with using just pure Swift UI. So I think it's a mix mix and match sort of thing. Do you guys have a chance to look at this article? At it now. Um, yeah, it's not too not too shocking. I mean, it's it's still new technology. Mm-hmm. You know, and Apple's always had issues like this. I remember classic example is when Core Data first came out back in what was it? I, iPhone OS three or was it four mm-hmm. three? Uh, there was this crash that was a completely repeatable. Obviously, an Apple bug of it would crash when you when you I forget now what it was, but when you add or remove uh, a cell in your fetch results controller or something like that. So it was you know it was in all their sample code and and I remember I remember that one of the, the big te- the famous textbooks at the time had the solution for it published in their book and it was like a four page mm-hmm. long thing of just all these wow yeah <laughs> yeah it was it's kind of nuts but yeah but that was just because there was this major bug in in the uh, in the library and it took them you know until the next version a year later to, to solve it so i'm not too surprised i guess that this kind of stuff is happening when i read this i wanted to sort of separate out a couple different things uh going along with 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 mark's notion that i, I do agree that it's still fairly early as a technology um i do think some of the things they point out are I 
unfortunate side effect of how um, Apple had to approach this, right? Where they couldn't completely replace everything in UIKit and AppKit at the same time. That's just a lot of surface area to replace, right? Mm -hmm. And they gave us this thing that, you know, you can can wrap UIKit and AppKit. And it seems that not only was that useful for app developers, but was also useful for Apple itself. We're like, all right, well, how are we going to implement this thing? It's like, well, we can offer it, but we can't have it, you know, be completely rewritten. All right, well, we'll wrap it ourselves then, right? And I think they're running into to weirdo issues where the mechanism that Swift UI is is trying to use to, to make things declarative doesn't really work, you know, a hundred percent of the time well with a completely different abstraction in UIKit and or AppKit that is trying to be very very stateful. And it's it's juggling to do that sort of thing. I've uh, I've written code that has to to bridge these two very very foreign concepts and somehow pretend that they're the same concept and and stuff falls through. Like, you know, they're pointing out here with these um, Swift UI attribute graph crashes or these platform binding crashes. I'm like, yeah, I, I didn't write exactly this sort of thing. I've written other things that were trying to take the best of both worlds and ended up with sort of a muddy middle. Um, so I, I think that's one sort of approach that I, I look to take of like, well, you know, how serious of a problem is this? And then the other thing that I think is getting sort of tossed in here that I don't think is strictly speaking appropriately indicative of the state of Swift UI. It could be, but I'm, I'm, I'm caveating that the, the devil's advocate says, well, there could be other reasons here is the, the Fruta example, right? The, the example app that they're doing. I give Apple kudos that they actually were doing something that has been something I've asked for for several years, right? Of like, oh, it's cool to do these one-off, you know, one-pager view control. Everything is in the massive view controller just to show the example thing, but it would be kind of nice to show people how are you going to build a, a larger non-trivial app to do something. So I, I give them credit for doing that with the Fruit app because mm-hmm. it's, it's much more useful uh, as an app in and of itself to sort of explain how you can do things. With that said, I'd have to imagine that there are challenges in doing such a thing where normally Apple groups don't work together, right? <laughs> We're yeah. very used right. to hearing from people, like, oh yeah, like it's very siloed and and, and very few people have the, the cross thing. So I, I, I bet you pieces were sort of agreed upon and then like everybody throw their Lego bricks at the wall and let's hope they all kind of stick together, right? I, I would imagine that might have happened. And I could also imagine that uh, they had to ride the wave of what's in or out of scope for, you know, what's going to actually be released. And oops, it turns out we probably shouldn't have included this one part because that was always kind of like, you know, a questionable part of like, will it be in or out of scope? And, and that might have attributed to some of the uh, development problems, if that makes sense, where, you know, it, it wasn't like their their main priority was get this example app out the door. The main priority was get this operating systems out the door what I'm getting right, at. Yeah. So, so getting stretched a little thin might have, you know, contributed to this this factor. But I think it's cool though that, that uh, or, or sort of forward thinking that Apple has sort of solved or trying to solve the, the app kit versus UI kit problem that we've been sort of circling around for the last number of years, you know. By having um, Catalyst and by having Swift UI, um, they're now making, they're sort of, you know, trying to find a way to, to have a, you know, a set of frameworks and stuff like that work across platforms, multiple platforms right and that may all sort of lead towards the i mean even even moving app over sorry even moving the mac over to arm you know i mean i don't know if you've noticed this but like i find the ipad pretty snappy when it comes to loading apps and loading files and things like that you know there's you know you don't get the beach balls of death you know kind of spiraling out of control all day long which you do with with the mac even to the to this day on the fastest mac right um so i think that that swift 
UIs, giving them a chance to sort of, you know, rewrite things. I mean, we've been talking about this for a while in, in that, you know, when Swift came out, we had all these Objective-C, you know, frameworks and, and shoring up the whole operating systems on all three platforms. And, and um, you know, so the, we all begged for a, a native version of, of UI kit. Well, here we go, right? Apple's coming to the table with such a thing in, in, in the shape of Swift UI, right? And that also opens up the ability for those of us who've been spending our time in iOS to start thinking about the Mac because of Catalyst and because of because of the Swift UI, you know, the fact that the language runs across, you know, all the platforms, right? And you don't have to go off and study AppKit in detail kind of thing, right? And the change and the differences and changes because, I mean, the Mac as a platform, it has a pretty deep, dark basement and a, and a weirdly weird attic above it, you know, sort of, and you sort of have to go and figure out what those strange things that are left over from, like, you know, probably the 80s in there, right? Um, you, iOS is a bit newer in, in terms of a, a language and, and sort of a platform, but, uh, but you know, and then Objective-C, you know, sort of dragging that along. It's like dragging along a big shipping trunk or ship, what do you call it, shipping containers full of, of old baggage, right? So I think it, I think it, it, it bodes well for, for where we're going with, with uh, developing on, on the Apple platforms, right? I do, because uh, even though I see room for improvement in their, you know, it, you know building in a, a more fully featured example app that cohesively brings together what WWDC is trying to show you. Um, it's a lot better. Let me tell you, I've, I've in years past, you know, gone through some of their examples and said to myself, the person who wrote this, was this literally the first app that they ever wrote? Because <laughs> it's not doing a very Careful. good job of teaching me these concepts. And sometimes it doesn't work. And sometimes I'm like, mm, yeah, I definitely wouldn't have done that that way as a, as a software engineer. And it, it might very well have been, right? Maybe you know, this is a, a, a positive sign is what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to caveat this. So like it's, it's presented very ne- negatively in uh, Peter Steinberger's blog here. And I'm not, you know, discounting the like, yeah, it would be nice if, uh, you know, it didn't crash on Mac OS. It would be nice if uh, the UI stuff didn't, uh, as he says, uh, jump around sometimes uh, or, or sorry, I should say uh, views get misaligned. Uh, I'm like, well, I've seen worse <laughs> and not with new technology either. It was like, hey, here's this very basic thing. Oh, uh, you know, that was like the intern's first time writing an app or maybe it was a very experienced engineer, but they were very experienced at like core audio or something. I had no idea right. how to write yeah. an app. And somebody said, hey, go write, write an app an that uses either. the thing yeah. you just built. Oh, okay, let me cobble it together. Like this, it's unfortunate. It happens. I think this is better uh, than what we had before, which wasn't nothing, but sometimes was. And uh, there is still room for improvement. So I, I give them a, a, a C plus <laughs> in this area uh, grading uh, on this, if I were to, to grade one. Just, just so folks don't think, I think when I first read this, um, this post, I thought like, man, this is kind of an F. And I said, no, actually, let me, let me think about this. I, I think it's more like a C. It's not, you know, a, yeah, a, C or C minus. Yeah. yeah, exactly. like, it, yeah. It's still a passing grade, I think, for, for where Swift UI is. And that does mean that there are, uh, there be dragons, right? You got to be real careful if you're going to invest in Swift UI and, and um, make sure you, you know what you're, you're taking on there. They call it the bleeding edge because you bleed when you're on it. Yeah. I mean, there are some speed bumps. I was working on some, some stuff uh, last week where um, I was doing a demo on, on disclosure groups and, um, you know, like basically they're taking the little triangle thing that we have on the Mac, you know, where you click on the, the triangle and it turns points down and dis- and dis- discloses some some hidden content, right? Um, that's now come over to iOS. And and one thing one thing I found was I was, was trying to get the so you click on the row, but but depending on where you put the the toggle to click the row um, didn't quite work correctly. But it was in the order in which I was 
making the calls in SwiftUI, and that's totally not clear. Like, like how would you even think to change the order of, of the modifiers that you're putting in there? Um, like, you just think, hey, I'm putting padding on, hey, I'm putting a font on, hey, I'm putting some fr- a frame in, you know. Um, why would one thing before the other make a difference? And it does, but that's just, I think it's the nature of, of how new this this uh, this whole language is, right? So just weird things like that happen, to, you know, as, as you work on it. And, and it's, I mean, I was talking to a colleague the other day, and he was complaining about, you know, or saying that, that um, SwiftUI is buggy, and he was trying to do some navigation stuff with the navigation stack, you know, with the navigation link and uh, that kind of stuff. And, and those are, they're just, they don't behave the same way that, you know, your your conventional navigation stack works, right, in, in iOS, right? That's just a different metaphor, a different way of t- approaching it. And it's just, it's odd things, like, you know, where you put a space affects how the code <laughs> compiles and runs and things like that, right? So it's it's just odd. It's it's sort of a, I don't guess it's trying to look, like learn a new language as well, right? Anyway, let's move on to the Apple event because we have a lot to cover here. Here, Well, we, we, we have a lot to cover. We have a lot, lot to not cover, right? <laughs> um, Mark and I watched it live and, and Jaime, you were saying you were working, so you, you recapped it, right? So do you want to lead in there? Yeah, um, I guess spoilers, there were no phones at this event, which is, I think, uh, something that we had talked about in the show that we, we kind of didn't expect that to be the case anyway. So this was pretty much about the uh, the watch or watches and uh, iPad or iPads and a couple other things that uh, were thrown in there. So let, let's start things off. So the Apple Watch Series 6, that is the, the premier model of Apple Watch, uh, one of the key things it gets is uh, blood oxygen monitoring. So continuing along the same lines of doing more and more health-related stuff, got an oxygen sensor in there, which is which is neat. Mm-hmm. Well, especially in, t- in, in, in the case of the current time, I mean, that's one of the one of the problems with with uh, COVID. If you get symptoms, is is your O2 levels or can become a question. So it's kind of interesting that they chose that as. I mean, notwithstanding, it's sort of good for health and all that kind of stuff. But it also it's timely that it, it also is able to do that in our current circumstance, where you want to measure your O2 levels, your O2 saturation, to basically make sure that you're you're actually in, um, able to process the air you're breathing in, right? You know. Yeah, yeah. It it, it is really good timing because I'd have to imagine they didn't like see COVID happening and it's like we. Do we have oxygen sensors? Good. Duct tape them into the current watch and call it. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Well, they must have been. They must have been forward looking. I mean, like they talk about the the people who. In fact, they even shouted out U of T here in Toronto as one of the people working on the on the blood saturation and pulse oximetry. They called it right. Um, Yeah. And and the fact that you know they're doing some background tasking as well, so you don't have to necessarily be you know uh, it'll be constantly monitoring you kind of thing. It was a pretty pretty interesting feature. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, they're latest Apple Silicon-based uh, system on a chip gives them enough headroom where they can have a, uh, a brighter watch face for the always-on watch face, so continuing with that. So that's that's nice. They've got... And the, the always-on elevation, too. That was The altimeter. Too. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's interesting as a, as a sensor to have in there. As I'm, as I'm uh, sitting here at my desk, it's like, let me see. I'm, is it exactly the same <laughs> altitude? What's happening? You know, I... How, I, many stair- how many flights of stairs have I climbed today? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I also... I don't know if they talked about this at this time in the event, but I, I thought it was a little curious that they had the um, the loop, the the sync. Like if you said, you know what, it's just too Solo much of loop, a hassle yeah. to uh, <laughs> to use a clasp. What if I just had a perfectly shaped loop that I could put my my uh, my uh, wrist through? I was like, oh, okay. I kind of wonder how they're going to end up sizing those uh, appropriately. But they had a whole slide of different sizes. Like you know, did you see that? Like they had like ten or yeah. Something different size. Do you know which size you would be? I was like, I have no 
no idea. Oh, well, no, I guess no. Like, yeah. if they gave me something I could compare to my current band, and I could say, all right, well, I'm you know usually on position four, and sometimes as low as position three. Um, well, you can always measure the diameter of your wrist, right? And that will yeah. tell you. Yeah, right? as long as it's a little forgiving, right? Like, uh, so one thing I've noticed with my watch is that uh, usually after I've just gotten out of the shower, I, I tend to like hotter showers. Um, you know, I, I like I bloat up, I fluff up a little bit, yeah. and I'm like, mm, we're gonna have to, to open it up one notch higher. Really? And then as my body cools off, it's like, okay, put it back down to the the fourth position that I normally use. And and sometimes in the winter, it's it's down to the third position, right? Like yeah. my my body, you know, constricts. There's just you know blood and, and heat and all that stuff is is affects things. I'm like, well, how forgiving is this single loop? Because I'm gonna be like, yeah, well, it's it liquid silicone. It's, it's gonna like, be stretchy, right? It's liquid silicone, so it's gonna have to stretch over your over your wrist. I remember when when the phone came, the watch came, first came out. Um, Felix and I went to the Apple Store in Ottawa on our way to Chateau Montebello, and um, was it Ottawa or? Quebec City, maybe. I don't know. Uh, one of those two. But um, I couldn't get the, the Milanese loop on my hand comfortably, even the big one, right? So I, that's why I never went down that road. So I kind of wonder, like, yeah, how how specifically close do you have to be for this, this silicone thing to fit? And then is it going to be like, remember the, the, what was that, Fleur Lastimer one the, on the first watch band? And I don't know about you, but whenever, whenever I did any sort of working out or playing music or whatever in a band, it would get really slippery and wet underneath and be gross, right? So I kind of wonder if that's going to be the same. I mean, I'd probably go for the braided loop one, the, the sort of nylon-y looking one, right? But Breathability can be key. And, and if I was going to be working out, I have tended to use my um, Nike Fit knockoff from Amazon that has the holes in it. And that, that seems to, to solve the... Um, I don't oh, know what to call it. You, you know, if it was your butt crack, it'd be swamp butt. Uh, I don't know. What, <laughs> what, <laughs> wrist, wrist slime? Swamp know. wrist uh, effect that the fluoroelastomer band can do. I've, I've definitely had that. I've, I've gotten sweaty with my watch. Swamp wrist. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so that's good. Well, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the next cool feature was, and and this would have really helped out with with uh, my grandson when he when Xavier, you know, number one fan of Star Sparkcast. If he um he wanted to have an Apple Watch, but he couldn't because he had to have a phone to set the thing up, right? And now they have this family setup thing where one single phone can set up up to five watches, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. So they end up being paired there. I I think the one caveat is that those are for the LTE models, right? So it's it's like oh, are they you do the no. setup? But then they act as independent uh, smart internet connected devices from there. Am I again? That's true. I saw yeah, the recap. That's true. I didn't well, see if the the Wi Fi only watches were capable of handling that. Well, yeah, because they, they do have the sort of they do sort of have the creepy you know parental where is my kid and is he where I expect him to be right now kind of thing. I can think of other relationships where that might be something that would be not a good thing. But um, yeah, the fact that you can look on your phone and see that your kid is really sleeping over at Mary's house, you know, kind of thing. Um, hopefully he's not a boy, but um, you know what I mean? Like I just I, I left just, the watch found... at Mary's house and went out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or attached it to the dog at right. home or something. Right? Why does he keep running around in circles? What's going on here? <laughs> Spends a lot of time in the backyard. <laughs> what is he doing? And you can also limit their contacts. I mean, that. I mean, yeah, as a parent, I could see, you know, wanting to, to be a little helicoptery and 
you know, maybe get the bubble wrap out and wrap my kid up. But, you know, like, like limit their contacts. That makes sense. You don't want them talking to strangers, which I do know some kids who have done that in the past, right? Um, but yeah, it's just, I mean, I, I get the sort of parent parental arc angle to this, this feature, but I also find, you know, it can, I think it can be used in sort of uh, nefarious ways. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, you know, the police song, Every Breath You Take? Yeah, there, you know there I mean? is the, you know, like the it thing- has that dark side, you know? Yeah, you wouldn't want somebody like, um, you know, unknowingly handing this to their spouse, right? Or, or not being forthcoming of like, oh, I got you this watch, check it out. And it's like, oh, I'm secretly tracking you because I don't trust you, right? Or I'm being very abusive and stalkery. Like that's definitely a dark side that uh, people need to be aware of. But I do think the other positive side of it that you brought is something that i Actually, I've wait, can we, do, can we do a PSA? Can we do a PSA? Sure, sure. So there's a hand signal that if you're in, if you're on a Zoom call or something like that, um, and you're, and the person who is in front of the camera is having trouble with somebody else in the room there's a hand signal they can make to the people on the video to let them know that they're not okay i don't know if you guys know about that no this is the first i've heard of it yeah i, I can't remember what it is, is you, you hold your hand up and i think you fold your thumb over or something like that and and that's to indicate to the people on the zoom call that you are not okay just that's my psa i'll, I'll get some more information on it but but i i, I don't know if we, we never talked about it on the show and I, I know with everybody working from home and some people are going to be put in compromising positions that they normally would go to work to escape from kind of thing right so anyway just yeah if, if people are having trouble understanding um although i don't know of, of what this particular thing is so we can do some follow-up on that um i am aware that people who have been uh, in abusive relationships have you know uh made phone calls to 911 but you know made the call as if they were calling for like a pizza and the, oh, really? the operator oh, yeah. is the dispatcher is very confused and then they slowly figure out oh i see what's going on the the abuse is you know close enough to hear overhear what you're saying and so you have to be a, a little bit more sly because they don't you know they, they limit your access to the phone sort of thing so that, that that makes sense so that that psa so that that is you know that is a uh a thing for folks to watch out for uh, related to coming back to the watch of like you know uh you've got to have you know fully informed consent for what you're doing here um and and coming back to the the happier side of this i think the side that apple probably is promoting more is the people who have uh, uh, dependents, you know, people dependent on usually kids, but I want to talk about, you know, uh, elderly parents. Uh, so people don't forget about that. You know, I've, I've had coworkers that said, yeah, you know, I really love, I really would love to have uh, an LTE watch for my children because they, they're kind of a little too young and we're not ready to give them a phone for just like all of the scary stuff that that opens up of having to deal with as a parent, but also just the practical aspect of like, heaven help me if they like come home from school back when you know, they went to school um, and they're like, oh, I forgot this thing. Where's the phone? Oh, gosh, now we've lost this hundred dollar, two hundred, three hundred, five hundred dollar device. Where the heck is it? Mm. Whereas a watch mm. is like, all right, it's a little harder for them to get. And they sort of actively have to take it off. Right. So it's right, something right. that's always with them and they can always make an emergency call. You can make emergency calls to them. And I think a lot of those same sorts of concerns might also work for, you know, elderly parents who are like. Exactly. No, that's how it's going to go there. Yeah. They're not, yeah. you know, it's technical enough enough that maybe they might not even want a phone, but it's like, hey, can I convince you to wear this thing? And, and you, can, you can do phone calls and other things. We can stay in touch. And it's kind of not that big of a change to your life. I think this has a valuable use case for that. Yeah, actually, a friend of the show, um, Peter Cook, has a son who's who's has CP. And um, so he, he loved, I, mean, I think he talked about it on the show when we talked about it, but uh, about the app, about the watch, or sorry, how the phone changed people's lives. And, and his son used to be able to wear his watch, like which he he passed it down to him 
him and with his phone and they were able to use the walkie-talkie feature that if he ever got to school and the elevators weren't working or whatever he could call his dad from his watch and say you know hey this is going wrong and and then peter was able to talk to his son and talk to whoever was near you know his his caretaker who would be at the school with him about the situation which is another you know life-changing thing that the apple watch has done for people as an example yeah this this goes a step uh in the right direction where people have wanted um a fully disconnected watch and this isn't quite that you still have the as i understand it sort of mothership phone that these are connected to but it it's a good step that i think will cover a lot more use cases than what you would have had before right right. so i kind of miss i got like i mentioned before i was stuck in a meeting so i kind of missed the apple watch se what's the deal with that that was the 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 cheaper that's the low-end phone the cheaper one so they have two versions they have the the series six and then they have the se it's just like with the phone where they have the se the se is a just a more entry level lower price without all the bells and whistles but is that but that you still like you still compare it with your phone and kind of thing like that like you can still do like 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 the og watch was kind of sort of like yeah uh, i mean they they didn't really say exactly what it was but i imagine it's you know probably like a series four type phone or something like that you know mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. roughly maybe in a fancy new case or something I, I don't they didn't give the details one thing that it seemed seemed that was missing was the blood ox because uh, they but they said in particular that that was only for the series six watch mm-hmm. uh but presumably it does well they didn't say whether it did ecgs or not i don't know so i'm reading a, a cnet article that says se does not have the fda cleared ecg app it does still not has, oh, okay. still has okay. some other fitness tracking capabilities in the fall okay. detection feature in the series four um so yeah i mean just kind of as you expect i, I think what i see in the se is it's a uh, another opportunity to have uh, a broader price model right it's everything you can do to have a you know blend of like look if if you're listening to the show you're probably not getting the se right you're, you're probably getting right. more a more right. medium to premium model because you're 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 a fanatic you're a fan that's why you're listening to this this sort of content but for people who are like you know that's a big chunk of change but at 279 and it's not you know maybe not the like all the, the bells and whistles but it's not an older watch you know or a refurb watch yeah i might i might buy one of those to, to try things out well i think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago that the the most popular phone that apple sells or i think the most popular phone is the um the 10r which one is the one that's like sort of uh yeah 10r, yeah, it's, the 10R. It's, it's i don't, less I don't know if I don't know if that's still true, but no, it's. I think it's true. This is a number that that was was talk, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. I know, but it, but well, it, that might be cumulative over, over time. But is it currently mm. the one that's selling the most? I don't, probably not, because that one's pretty old. I don't know, but but if you think about it, it's it's more approachable to the to the general public who aren't the big fanboys, right? And it, like, yeah. So here it's saying here on, in this article I'm looking at that you know the 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 six has the S six chip, whereas the SE has the S five, which is you know last year's model chip, I guess. Um, but it's twice as fast as a, as a series three so but still a, an upgrade from from buying an older watch like you said right mm-hmm. yeah cool it doesn't have the, the oxygen sensor obviously yeah i mean like i'm just saying like from the point of view of like the reason why the the 10r sells well is because it's not not you know the thousand dollar phone right, that right, we're all right. complaying about right so price is more the approachable most, the most important factor for a lot of people yeah. they do have new watch faces um i'll just mention it <laughs> as a check in the box i i wasn't particularly excited about them because I'm like, well, it'd be kind of nice if we had third-party watch faces, but I do appreciate that they had some that, that I could see being useful, like the uh, the time zone watch, right? So if you're working with people different time zones, it'd be kind of nice to see, like, what time is it over there? My my note on, on the watch faces is I wrote watch faces. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, you know, they can 
continued to, to, to have um, various designs come out. Some, I think, you know, personally, because I think these are all very personal. Uh, some work better than others, but, you know, it's uh, it's not as great, I think, as having third-party watch faces be available and just let, let the market decide what's out there. You know, if people want a really ugly watch face, I guess that's the really ugly watch face. Um, I just don't want to be you know, limited necessarily to, uh, to the watch faces that we have. Especially yeah, there were quite a, quite a number of faces for sure, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think the the early concerns that I'd had before, and I think I was a very staunch defender of like, well, I'd I'd rather not have third party watch faces until the battery life gets you know kind of good enough. And I think if Apple's like, oh, you know, battery life's gotten good enough that we can brighten up the always on display, I'm like, all right, now's the mm-hmm. time. Now's the time you've got enough headroom, I think, to allow third party watch faces to happen, so that in the worst possible case, there is a very poorly developed third party watch face that's sapping people's battery life, it won't be quite as dramatic of a problem, I think, in, in this modern era. So I was w- watching a, a video on YouTube or TV the other day about how, you know, COVID is affecting people's industries because they all have to work from home. And there was a, a fitness trainer talking about how he's now able to use um, online classes, like he can do like Zoom calls and do workouts with people on Zoom. I think it was on, on it was actually a news report on one of the one of the stations, one of the American stations. And he was talking about how he now can do these one-on-one classes with people or one on one to many kind of things rather than having them all into you know all sweating away in the same same studio which leads us to how apple is now going to take that away from him too i mean uh, maybe right <laughs> so fitness plus this is the one in the recap that i understood maybe one of the least i was like all right so oh really so you get okay. access for for paying your subscription price you get access to um to to workouts uh and as far as i understand they are not like live workouts they're they're video recorded pre-recorded yeah, workouts right. so so the kind of content I could get for free on YouTube um, that that pays you know, pays the way, uh, and I guess it does have the syncing of your information from you know the watch and, and health apps stuff that can show up you know there right there on the screen to motivate you to like hey let me get my heart rate up to what I was looking to get okay that's that's cool I mean I guess I guess it could just look at my watch down and see that but that might be annoying to do and it could also show up on like your Apple TV too I think right you're doing this yeah your, yeah I, I got to imagine that over time it'll be more interactive because you do have two sensors available to at least two but in general people are going to have two sensors available to them they've got one on the wrist and they've got a phone which they could put into a strap on your leg or something like that or in your pocket or in your pocket and then you have a very we fit like experience now the videos have to be have to be uh, made so that the interactive nature works but I, I have to imagine that's coming because that that seems like the killer app for this thing where you actually see your you know you see yourself or an icon of your an avatar of yourself doing oh, true. The, yeah, the yeah, activity yeah. on the screen yeah. yeah on your apple tv they showed that in in i think in the uh, wwc they showed like the fact that you know your watch could sort of keep track or anticipate what kind of movements you're making mm-hmm. like for, for the fitness stuff yep um but yeah and it also was interesting there was like a forward mantra that they were all saying the same it reminds me of a famous politician i can't remember who it was a couple of weeks ago it was going on about how you can always remember these four words but in this case it was workout trainer time music right which means you know you choose a workout of a certain type pick your trainer tell them how long you want to do this for and then apple music kicks in and, and gives you the inspiring music to go along with your workout right mm-hmm. 9.99 us a year i guess and 79 sorry 9.99 a month and 79 dollars a year if, if that's yeah. what you're looking for now that seems okay. kind of high to me but some people might want to pay that but you know if it were bundled into some kind of a package well then... that would be good yeah i wonder if they could bundle something like that yeah. what do you think i mean yeah. if only there was one 
bundle to rule them one all. One bundle? <laughs> to rule them all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's a good uh, or very poor segue to roll into Apple One. There, mm-hmm. there are at least three of them bundles. So I don't know why they called it Apple One. It seems like it's Apple Mini. It's six or five. I don't know. Apple Myriad, you know. Um, but um, this is something that has been rumored and, and gotten stronger for a while. Um, let's see if I can do this rundown correctly. I took notes on this part, but I don't know if they're good. So you have an individual bundle at $14.95 per month US, which includes Apple mm-hmm. Music, Apple TV Plus, Apple Arcade, and 50, that's five zero gigabytes of iCloud storage. Um, right. Then my next note says the family plan for $19.95 per month uh, has everything that that one had, right? Music, TV Plus, Arcade, but bumps up the iCloud storage to 200 gigabytes. Mm-hmm. And then you have the, I was thinking about this this morning, Premiere. I say yeah. Premiere because I'm in the United States. Uh, I am aware because I watch enough uh, soccer, football, for those of you in, in Europe, it's like prem ear, as in uh, you are happy and you're happy ear, uh, sort of <laughs> pronunciation, Premiere, uh, for $29.95 a month, which includes music, TV+, Plus, arcade, a very lofty two terabytes of iCloud storage, and then throws uh-huh. in uh, News Plus and Fitness Plus as part of that package. Right. Yeah. So for me, I mean, like I'm, and and you, the part you haven't talked about is is they're going to help people like me who have two Apple IDs merge them together, right? Oh, I, I, that no. wasn't in the recap that I saw, but like, <laughs> no, no, they're true. not. I'm being facetious. Oh, okay. They are not. I still have the same. And so now I'm thinking, okay, how do I move away from my .Mac one, move all that content in iCloud over to my Apple ID that I use for all my purchases, right? Because some guy at Apple told me years and years ago that's how I should do it. Anyway, so I I'm naturally going to fall into the to the family one because Carol and I already are, are already on the the um, what is it two gigabyte uh, two terabyte what is it um, two hundred gigabyte uh, plan as a family right for iCloud we have a single plan for music my TV Plus account is going to expire any day now because of the phone I got last year right so for me it's naturally going into the family one for me is is going to be a no brainer but I don't know what I'm going to do with the arcade because there are no games for my five year old granddaughter to play. But anyway, so um, yeah, for me, that I think that's the one. I don't know about, I, I really don't care that much about news and, and yeah, I don't know. Fitness is a, fitness is, an, is an, an edge case for me, but uh, Carol might be interested in that. So yeah, so for me, I think family makes sense. You know, what about you guys? Yeah, so I'm already paying $9.99 a month for music and yeah. a buck a month for the iCloud stuff. So that's 11 bucks. So for another four bucks, I can get TV Plus and Arcade. Yeah, it's probably pretty reasonable. Why not? I would like to get the news but I don't want to spend another... Well, you get the 15. news now. This is News Plus. News Plus, I don't know what yeah. The... I wouldn't mind getting that, but I'm not going to spend another 15 bucks for that. Um, you know, and fitness. I oh, I see. Yeah, as, as an individual, it's not a fair deal going from 14 to 29 bucks or 14, 15 to 29 bucks. Right, is it? right. But yeah, so the individual, though, makes sense for me. One of our former co-hosts has the two... I know he uses the two terabyte plan with iCloud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might be one of the things that, that people will have to consider, right? Um, for me, and Mark, you don't have Apple TV Plus right now do you i don't no. okay so you're not missing much but, yeah, but that might exactly. change the the <laughs> equation right because i've uh for me i was looking at this and like all right very similar to mark like i'm paying for music i'm paying for the 50 gigs icloud storage that's total 11 dollars uh, a month so 
for four dollars more, what would I get? And I said, well, for four dollars more, I get what is on paper ten dollars. So that's five dollars for TV plus yep. and five dollars for arcade of value. But then I went deeper than the on paper and I said, all right, well, I have been uh, getting the free subscription for Apple TV plus that I had with my my device. And I've largely started to run out of stuff to watch. Like I could start watching next, you know, next level of things, but there just isn't enough for my use case. Your mileage may vary enough for me to say, yeah, I would continue to pay uh, specifically for something to get uh, Apple TV plus and then you know, pay for Apple TV plus and then have this other thing for free, which would be arcade. Right. And I said, well, you know, there's, there's good stuff, but uh, I would probably have to wait until there was a backlog of things that I could go or that they brought in some, um, some other, uh, you know, provider of content that was included as part of TV plus. Right. Um, so that was one thing that I, I was considering and I said, okay, well, let me look at the other way. Would I end up playing, paying for Apple arcade and then effectively getting Apple TV plus for free? And I said, mm, no, I don't think there's enough for me personally on, on arcade. And that's not a knock against it per se. Just, uh, I don't have that use case, right? Like I think arcade looks like it works pretty well. If you're looking to get like, you know, your family off of, uh, in-app purchase, you know, Farmville laden type stuff. Um, I think that would be pretty valuable, but again, I, I don't have kids. And so I'm like, well, what am I going to do with this? Am I going to get enough value? And I was like, it's borderline. Like I, I, I could see a case where I can argue myself into the extra $4 a month. Cause then it's like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. Just right now, as we're sitting here on, uh, you know, middle of September, 2020, I'm like not enough, but maybe something might change in the future to change that equation. It's very close. So it's a very close no, but I did really think about it a lot. <laughs> what so if, what do if you fall into the family plan? 14 bucks. I'm just, I'm just curious how the math works. Yeah. Like, like if it was a dollar, <laughs> like I think very clearly to me of like, if it was a dollar more, I'm like, oh yeah, absolutely. I would do that. Uh, yeah. if it was $2 more, you know, three, I, I, four, mm, maybe, and, and, and possibly I'm, I'm getting a little bit influenced because, uh, I have started to watch, uh, the Ted Lasso, this is like a shadow pick, I guess the Ted Lasso, uh, series. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, I would say that my review of it so far, I'm about halfway through the series is that it's, it's not an outstanding one. I'm not saying like, stop what you're doing, go watch this. This isn't like an event type series, but for me, it's just so dang wholesome. And I'm like, yeah, I can kind of see why people likes this. This is a really good sort of warm, fuzzy feeling thing where the main character, Ted Lasso, is very nice and wholesome, despite the fact that so many people around him are so terrible to him. And he he's he's not stupid. He, he's he's not dopey. He's just a very pure person. And 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 in these times, it, it does feel a little good to to watch that. So I might be convinced at four dollars, uh, sort of difference versus the, or I guess closer to three dollars than it is the you know closer to you know four to five dollars difference that it is now. So wait, you're not going to go with Apple One? No, I I, I think I I, I was very tempted and then i sat down but even as a family you're not going to go no my my significant like, other was, is, is less impressed with apple tv plus uh <laughs> oh wow yeah so <laughs> she's less impressed so i'm like all right so I, I can't even argue for it you know on her behalf sort of thing of like oh she's getting the value it's it would be more selfishly for me and i i couldn't argue for it even from that route but it's close i'm not not knocking it as like this is not a good value for you the listener out there i think that's why i'd asked you mark you know have you watched any of the Apple TV Plus? Because for you, it's like, oh, like you have a whole bunch of stuff to watch because you haven't been watching it for the past year, right? Whereas yeah. for me, I'm like,
like, oh, like I'll get a new movie this month, next month, maybe a new movie. I'm like, all right, that's not enough for me to pay. Right. Um, but for you, it's like, oh, I got a new movie and I have these backlog of movies to watch. Yeah. It's not clear that I, I would actually watch it, but, but the option is there. <laughs> it doesn't seem like i have all that much time to watch tv these days but um but maybe i would if there was I'd f- maybe i'd find time if there was better stuff on it's true hmm. and i do already you know i spend whatever i mean i've even lost track of what i spend on netflix because they keep raising the price so i have netflix i have amazon prime so there's lots of stuff there that i pay for i think when i thought about it i was like you know the amount of time i spent on this at my hourly rate i've actually lost money by not just subscribing <laughs> to the damn thing <laughs> or just letting a coin make the decision because honestly you, you, i said what from eleven dollars to fifteen dollars and I, I probably should have just done it but yeah uh, it's only four bucks a month that's only 50 bucks a year you spend more than that on coffee coffee mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah a lot more than that on coffee i'm sure <laughs> i certainly do so 10 years ago i mean i i can't remember when i registered as an apple developer but i sometime in like the tens right um i know i downloaded iphone sdk in 2008 or, yeah 2008 when it first came out but it wasn't until 2010 when the iPad was released, that I became a full-time developer, which leads us to our next piece. Right, Jaime? 10th anniversary of the iPad. It is, in fact, yes, right. The 10th anniversary of the iPad. And, and good timing for the 8th uh, gen iPad to be out. And if you're doing the math thinking, wait a minute, they skipped some years. It, it, the whole lineage of the iPads gets a little complicated because they do have a few uh, various options. Um, seemed like a, like a nice update. And, and we'll end up talking about another iPad, uh, the iPad Air, in here as well. Uh, for folks that have seen online they were like oh the ipad lineup so confusing i'm like no it's only confusing if you have a lot of money and you're you know you like you have enough money that you could buy any of them that you wanted but not so much money that you don't just like immediately of course i'm going to get the highest end model no matter what right i, I think going along with the, the same lines for the, uh, the phones and the watches the, the answer to the question is which one should i get is how much money do you have that's the one that's for you and you can decide if you want to spend a little less you can decide if you want to stretch and spend a little bit more they've got a roughly a you know a, a price range that follows of like I have three hundred dollars to I have darn near two thousand dollars I think for the highest spec one and each hundred dollar increment roughly in between is covered by one or more of the models mm-hmm. you know so uh, so iPad eighth gen um, you know it's got a, a pretty good price it's got an even lower price for uh, the education market and they also came out with the iPad Air uh, which I wrote right. in my notes has a Touch ID in the uh, in the top button the sleep wake button the power button yeah yeah yep. interesting. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that it, had, cool it had an it had a narrower narrower bezel, which is why I was kind of wondering if they were going to go Face ID, but they went with the touch ID, t- with the Touch ID, right? So it makes me wonder now. Just occurred to me uh, that a button Touch ID for the iPhone in this COVID day would be a very useful thing. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, I was waiting for Mask ID to come out. Like, if, if, I wonder I, with the I, iPhone 12, we'll see that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I wonder too late for that, but yeah, unless unless they really timed it out very fortuitously, I, I don't expected on this year's model um but it does but who knows question you know, they they were planning this for a long time for the ipad and they must have been planning this before covid for the ipad true mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so maybe they were also planning it for the iphone we just haven't seen it yet mm. yeah mm. yeah that that would be interesting to see because it's it's something i was thinking about when they announced it and i said oh wow okay so if you had a device that had both face id and touch id how might you mm. end up using that so i would guess that the the security behind both will will differ and i would guess that they wouldn't be exactly equivalent two factor authentication all in one phone 
<laughs> yeah, it's like, well, okay, so Face ID thinks it could possibly be you, but the bottom half doesn't match the model. Cool. Well, can we get the the second factor here of, well, tell me about the, the fingerprint, right? How does that look? Oh, that appears to match. Good. Then we've got well, enough so, to, to verify that this user is who they say they are. Under speaking the of somebody who lives in a northern climate and we end up getting cold a lot and we wear gloves, mm-hmm. Face ID was a, was a godsend to Canadians in terms of being able to open our yeah, phones. Yeah. But again, if you had the scarf up over your nose, you couldn't couldn't be recognized. So having to take your gloves off or, or get or buy gloves that have the goofy little finger thing that never seems to last forever. Um, touch ID would be cool. Like, you know, the to have in the case of in the in the mask wearing current time that we're here in but so are you thinking they would have both like both both options yeah like and, and i was wondering how those would like one way of looking is like oh it's it's an alternative if you prefer touch id use touch id if you prefer face id use face id but you could do more interesting things and say all right well what if we can use them in tandem so right you know, yeah uh, if i'm sitting on my couch i can just use face id because that's way easier right just lift up well, the can't phone use voice Voice print ID. Voice print, yeah. <laughs> As you guys in Canada are, are mumbling, like... My bank authenticates me with my voice. Yeah, yeah. Which, which I can already hear uh, the Canadians in the background saying, but what happens when it's it's cold outside and I've got 10 layers over my face and now I'm mumbling yeah. like Kenny McCormick from South Park. <laughs> right? Like, you know, there's, there's you always do, ways... you got to do your, your Bane impression again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're always finding ways in, to deal. And I, and, and I get that. But I'm wondering, like, okay, l- let's just pretend for the sake of argument that touch id is that style of touch id to be very clear is like the little skinny strip that they had that fits on the the button next gen touch id they call it yeah let's let's pretend that uh on a on an apples to apples basis when you compare the security for that versus the security of face id let's pretend that the the new touch strip style touch id is just you know a little bit less secure than face id so now if a user has both face id and the touch strip id set up i Hypothetically, if I was an attacker, I'd say, okay, I'm going to attack the weaker one, right? So that's where I think you you might have the, you know, sort of ultra security mode of like, I am using, you know, unencumbered, unblocked face uh, to to open this phone. And I'm also putting my finger on the, the touch strip to say like, oh, there are two different mechanisms that claim that this is the user. So we have a, a higher level of authenticity for this user. And that can also be useful for areas where you, you aren't quite sure from either sensor because it's like, like, okay, well, uh, this user is wearing a mask and they could detect that you're wearing a mask or, you, or you've or you obscured the lower half of your face in some way, which could be an attack vector. Just, just saying, like for people who want uh, like a COVID-friendly face ID, the downside is you've made it easier for people to, to attack, right? Because they have to get less of your face correct. So if I was Apple's engineers thinking, how do I deal with that situation where I normally want face ID to be very secure? I have a situation where we would allow just a little bit less security, but not really a whole lot less security because we can say, well, because you're wearing a mask, now you got to get that second factor, as Mark put it, of use the touch ID to give us a better um, a better picture of, of who you are, right? Because now it's like, all right, so as an attacker, I'd have to get at least half of your face correct, and I would have to do something that can fool the touch ID sensor. Does that make sense of mm-hmm. like how this, this these things might work together and aren't necessarily a replacement for one yeah, or the other? You may be overthinking it a little bit. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I really yeah. overcomplicated it because I got all excited when I saw, oh, that's something yeah. that could fit on a phone. What would you do? Yeah, my guess would yeah. be that the cheaper phones would have the the uh, the touch in the in the button, and yet they could yeah. so they can still give you the full screen experience, uh, but in the in a lower end phone because they don't have to have the high end camera. They can put the the touch sensor in the button. That well, they get rid of the chin and they get rid of the notch, right? In those in those cases right, too, right? Right, right. Yeah. Now yeah. Uh, it's possible that it is also available in the high end ca- uh, phone because why not? Right. Um, yeah. But my guess is it would probably be in either or. You could choose which one you wanted to use, I'm thinking. Um, but yeah. it might be available to, to devs to use for both. It's quite possible. Well, there's, there's the, bio, the biometric identifier thing that um, tells whether or not you're using Touch ID or Face ID in, in, in the in the, the local authentication framework. Right. And that's, yeah, you know, that's hard-coded for your phone, basically. That's not, yeah. That, yeah. That's, not a, yeah. that's not an option. Yeah. So let's talk about this A14 Bionic processor chip thing here because we were talking we touched on this at the beginning of the show they said five nanometer transistors and they said it's measured in atoms did you catch that mark yeah so this is nothing new um so, well, except the fact that you've been telling us that there's only so small you can go before yeah, things start well falling so apart. so a a hydrogen atom which is the smallest kind of atom is about an angstrom in radius or diameter isn't that where angstrom comes from well the guy's name <laughs> <laughs> no i mean but 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 if if an if a hydrogen atom is the smallest possible it's like what, just uh, one one electron and one one proton, one electron. Proton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the size of it, it's it's not precisely one angstrom because you can't really define what the size of it is. But but it's ru- it's roughly roughly. If you had Heisenberg one. compensators, you could. But never mind. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, so a nanometer is ten angstroms. So if you have five nanometer technology, that's uh, what did I say? <laughs> An extra five, sorry. Bang, five <laughs> angstroms left to go. Is that what I I did my math right? Uh, yeah. So so yeah. So uh, a, a nanometer is 10, 10 angstroms. So five nanometer is 50 angstroms. So that's about roughly, you know, roughly 50 hydrogen atoms. Now a silicon atom is much bigger than a hydrogen atom, probably like 20 times bigger roughly is my guess. Uh, so, you know, so 50, maybe not 20 times bigger, but it's bigger, you know? So, so we're talking, when you're talking about 50 nanometers, you're talking like five or 10 atoms, you know, wide. That's pretty small. That's pretty small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, as I mentioned earlier, it's not, that's not really true uh, because it's an, it's an effective size. Uh, it's an electrical size, not a physical size. And uh, so electric fields, when you put a voltage on these things, it creates electric field, which which causes something called depletion, which which makes makes the electrical carriers get, you know, get confined in a smaller space. And there's quantum effects that does the same thing uh, or similar thing. Uh, so in a, it's in effect as if it were that wide. It's not physically that wide. But still, there's not much more room left to go. Yeah, there's really not. Hmm. I'm looking at my my handy dandy periodic table right now. Yeah. What's the symbol for silicon? SI. Oh, here it is over here. 14. It says. Yeah. So that's a, that's the atomic weight, or sorry, the atomic yeah. number. That's the number of protons. Yeah. So yeah. So it's 10 versus or 14 versus one. Right. Right. Yeah, but so that's not the size. That's just a number. No. Of yeah. Because you, first yeah. you have the first orbit, which is two electrons, and then yep. you have eight on the next one, right? Yep. Yep. And it goes as roughly as r squared. So you're probably talking. You're in the let's see, two, ten. So you're probably in the third shell. Yeah. Uh, and so nine times, that would be nine times one right. angstrom. So 10 angstroms. Yeah, 10 angstroms. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Good guess. Good guess. Okay. Yep. Just just checking your math yep. Yep. And, your, and your physics. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while, but I still remember some yep. of this stuff. Yep. Yeah. And of course, the, the, the A14 Bionic also has, you know, 16 core, 16 cores for faster machine learning. 
learning, um, and they have some CPU machine learning accelerators in there. Uh, I think eight, eleven point eight billion transistors is what I wrote down. Yep, pretty quick. Couple of transistors. Yeah. yeah, just a few, just a few. Luckily, they don't charge um, by the transistor. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Or maybe they do. You don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and a better camera. I think a twelve megapixel camera. Do we have twelve megapixel cameras on our phones currently? We must. We do, must. Right? Yeah, they're not coming in. And four K video. Ten point nine inch liquid display. So this one is five ninety nine. This the iPad Air, and it works with the Magic Keyboard, right? As well as the what's the other one called? I forget what the other one is called. But but the iPad we were talking about earlier, the eighth gen, eighth gen is uh, where was it? Yeah, three twenty nine for the for the uh, smaller iPad or for the the bottom line iPad, right? They still have four or five iPads to choose from, right? Because they still have the Mini in there, and they still have the two Pros and two ninety nine for education. I wrote down as well. So interesting. And they have a new combo keyboard thing. That I, don't, I don't know if it's new, but they have a different keyboard for for this guy for, this, for the cheaper Air. So that's where we are. Is there anything else we want to talk about with this? Uh... Oh yeah, the commercial it already does that. Let me. Yeah, they they had released this this commercial of the introducing Apple Watch Series Six. It already does that, which does the you know in the conceit is imagine a future where and it's like oh actually the watch already does that oh okay well imagine a future where this other thing oh it already does that right like it it, it knows your your altitude it knows uh, your blood oxygen your heart rate yeah yeah it yeah. does you know all of these things um i don't know how effective these are i thought it was a a, a different approach um a pretty good way to explain you know here we are in the series six what is it that this does and if you haven't been following along uh which you know there's only so many people who could possibly listen to the show and not everybody does uh this might be something useful for folks who are sort of more casual and and wondering what's going on out there and the one thing i will say i was i was actually i get impressed by weirdo things so i apologize i was very impressed when they showed the uh the young girl playing tennis with her watch i was like oh she actually knows what she's doing and i don't recognize her i apologize if i should recognize her from the tour or something but uh she actually knows how to play tennis i could tell by the grip i could tell by the way she's striking the ball <laughs> usually when i see actors <laughs> in these sorts of things like you know they'd never have somebody you know throwing a football who didn't know how to throw a football but they have probably plenty like, of people she's probably tennis. like one of the top tennis players in the world and here's how yeah, saying yeah. critiquing her, her. Yeah. <laughs> no I, 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 I looked and i was like oh wow she's I'm using the mountain climber knew how to climb a mountain too right oh, the one they use geeking, i was like oh she's using a western grip and possibly an extreme western grip she's not using like, whoa using something more, that would be way hard more than use. just code here and uh, time out <laughs> I, I was looking at you know, where is she hitting i was like all right mostly from the baseline a little bit in but like that's what they do because you know that's how they get the, the the better looking shots but i was like wow she actually knows how to play which is not typical for representations of tennis in the media oh the horror i'm just remembering in in high school i used to one of my best friends was was a really good tennis player and he used to make us play tennis with him and he used to kill us <laughs> the horror anyway yeah just to translate for for the canadians out there um imagine if you were accustomed to seeing hockey. wait we don't have tennis up here in canada no, well, i mean i mean no because it snows right there's no snow courts that's only in video games <laughs> um you okay, know imagine so says tennis think curling yeah or, you know or imagine uh you know for your for your national pastime imagine that you saw most media representations you know, lac- lacrosse is our official sport right you know that right oh is that right see well that's how little i know because i'm on the 
American side, right? Is it more than hockey? Is lacrosse? No, more it, it, than it's hockey? actually our national our national sport is is lacrosse, even in spite of the fact that we all love hockey. Yeah, huh. right. So, so for right. hockey, imagine if most media representations showed people holding the hockey stick upside down. That's usually the the rough equivalent right. of what I see right. in tennis yeah. representations in in media, which is why I got weirdly geeked out in this. In now this I got to find out who this girl in the commercial is. <laughs> she looks a little young to be on the WTA or at least higher ranking in WTA. Yeah. So, you know, cause there's, there's, it's a power game, right? Like Serena Williams, uh, the greatest yes, of I all know. time completely changed the women's game. So I don't, I don't think this girl is as good as her skills. Look, I don't think she's quite, you know, large enough to generate power to be like top 10 in the world for the, the professionals, but, but maybe for the juniors, right? Cause she looks like she knows what she's doing. Oh yeah. Her, I see. I, I got a picture of her lined up right on my, on my YouTube right now. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll have to follow up on who that is next week, I guess. Um, so, in the words of Gomer Pyle, surprise, 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 they introduced what else today? Like, actually rolled out today. Yeah, yeah. So, today, as we're recording, it is September 16th. This is one day after the September 15th event. And Apple said, oh, yeah, we're releasing tomorrow, which is today, which is the 16th. Yeah, like, yeah, iOS 14 and, and everything else is is released. And it, it was crazy for folks because we have this article here that describes it like Apple developers are scrambling over the accelerated iOS 14 release. So unlike usual sort of setup, you know, you would have or click the event mm-hmm. and then roughly about a week of time with the, the GM, the Goldmaster release of, uh, you know, latest versions of Xcode and, and et cetera for folks to be able to, you know, actually physically submit apps, but also, you know, make sure that there wasn't any final change, you know, post beta that uh, might've broken your app. None of that applied. Like if you wanted to be there on day one and while you're listening to this podcast, kind of interested to hear hit us up hashtag ask mtjc or come check out our slack channel um kind of very curious how people dealt with the mad dash to go update check out your your apps see if anything's broken and if it is fix it and then submit your patched versions to be wait you don't think people have tried their apps already on on the betas yeah but like you know how many times have we seen even the production release of ios do something horribly wrong remember ios 8 that they couldn't make phone calls for for one model yeah right like yeah Yeah. fundamental thing like they messed it up before minor detail you know yeah. I, I would be sweating if i was like oh my god we want to be there on day one you know uh, what are we going to do uh and then looking at it from the user standpoint it's like well if i'm a user oh ios 14 is available hey where are all those apps with app clips i was like hmm, good question mm. where are all those apps with app clips and all these wonderful things that are new to ios 14 right, right. interesting well I, I just looked at the the wise words of james thompson who posted this morning developers you don't need to be ready for day one just take your time and get it right it's 2020, cut yourself some slack, prioritize your mental health. This is also developers, boom, day one, losers, because his apps are out already. But Yeah, that was that was weird. I don't understand why they ended up doing it that way. Like, you know, granted, you know, the, the watches being available um, on Friday the 18th means, okay, mm-hmm. well, you've got a line in the sand of when uh, the protection version of iOS needs to be there. I kind of wonder why they either didn't, you know, delay the watch's availability to one week later, which is kind of more in line with when they generally release, or mm-hmm. why not make the tough line in the sand and say this is where we're going to draw the line for iOS 14 and have the gold. Well, I think they released they released something today, right? They released 
the uh, I think or yesterday didn't the um, the iPad was available right away the new iPad was it available in stores right yeah away? yeah that's why they that's why the the OS's had to all come out today because because they released hardware yeah it's really weird I, I don't know whether to blame marketing or blame uh, software engineering or possibly both <laughs> in this thing but it ended up uh, and not just our opinions, but it sounds like a lot of opinions out there in the in the World Wide Web is like, yeah, this was not the ideal way to do it for developers or users. Yeah, definitely. I just followed up the iPad, the iPad, the eighth generation iPad with the A12 we just talked about, the one for three twenty nine. It ships today, like you can buy it today. The um, iPad Air is coming in October. It says, so yeah, so they did ship the new iPad, which which and all of the new devices we talked about today are coming with either Watch OS seven or uh, iOS set, iOS 14, iPad OS 14. And I think, I believe the Mac is out today too, right? Yesterday it was just a beta that was out. Do you have a look? Big Sur, let me see. I, I have a little red indicator on my software update. Story, so. What is this telling me? And let me try not to exit. Oh, only Safari is available right now. Safari hmm. 14. So I'm going to carefully back out of here. So I yeah, because the, the GM the GM for Xcode, oh yeah, the GM for Xcode 12 came out yesterday as well as, uh, as well as, um, iPad, like I said, iPad OS, and but not the Mac one. I think we should. I it's think it's less than yeah, I'm yours. only seeing Catalina still. I'm not seeing Mac OS 11 yet. Oh, Safari 14 isn't there. 10.6, 10.16, isn't it? And uh, 15.6 is is the latest one for me. Yeah, I was being facetious about 10.16 versus uh, Mac oh, 11. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, so yeah, Vixer 11 is still beta 6, it says. And then the application side, we have Xcode. Oh, oh I've already downloaded it, that's why. Mm-hmm. All right, lots of fun. I mean, not the world's greatest event, but then I don't think we were expecting after, you know, our our predict- predictions the last couple of weeks. But yeah, it's interesting that all of a sudden you have to get the emails saying, get your apps ready. Mm-hmm. Usually there's like a bit of window, right? Isn't there like normally like oh, yeah. a week of well, that's, heads up? That's the whole point of the scramble is that, yeah, usually yeah. there is a, a week or so to get everything ready. But this time it was just one day. Yeah, yeah. That, that final readiness, right? Yeah. Where, you know, to, to your, your point, Tim, normally you should be testing very early on from day dc of like mm-hmm. in general does our app even seem to work and start dealing with it and it's it can be tough in the short three months to get there but there is always that last okay let's make really sure that the final version that is actually going to go on on devices works and that's something again as silly as phone calls don't work <laughs> didn't accidentally slip in there because you know bugs happen um and, and it's it is odd i, I kind of wondered like did did they have app review um all uh all juiced up on on red bull and and everybody all hands on deck no no pto everybody get ready to review the <laughs> massive glut of uh, of uh, submissions you know did, did folks submit and and get through the store in a, a store review in a very sort of timely fashion i, I kind of wonder how it went i'd be interested in hearing some of those stories i'm just glad i didn't have anything that i was shipping <laughs> that needed to be in there so i uh, you, you have my my sympathies i guess we're at the picks portion of our show uh how many do you have a pick i do and it is the uh, very unironically selected new iOS 14 widgets you can try today article from TechCrunch. Mm-hmm. So uh, longtime fans of the show will know that I do not upgrade to iOS versions <laughs> <laughs> on the first day and generally not even in the first week. So I am very carefully watching the interwebs for all of you bleeding edge uh, guinea pig folks. Uh, mm. If you are interested or a week or two from now, I'll probably mention on the show, there are things like uh, the aviary Twitter client. Has, uh, has widgets that let you see uh, tweets, 
or you've got um, Soar, which apparently is a premium music player app that has, uh, you know, widgets that look really neat and um, help you get your, your music playing experience. There are uh, other ones like uh, Dice from PCalc, uh, you know, mm-hmm. those fine folks that has a physics-based simulation of polyhedral dice for use in tabletop role-playing games such as uh, Dungeons & Dragons. That, that seems kind of nice to see that. that. That'd be nifty for, uh, for game times and and many, many more. Um, so while I did say I kind of wonder what's going to happen to all those uh, those delicious you know app clips and uh, widgets and etc. It looks like folks are starting to put things out. And, and this is one of those lists of uh, iOS 14 widgets you can try, as it says today, which is on the 16th. So hopefully, you know. How is it physics-based? Sorry? Does Where's anybody know? How is dice physics-based? Is it actually? Oh, he's got, yeah, he's got some. He's got some. Oh, it's actually I, showing the dice test. rolling around. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm beta tester on his app. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I assumed it wasn't just, you know, run the simulation. And, and pick a and random just, number. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That it was like, hey, yeah. mm-hmm. what if we could show you the thing is going on there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I wonder, if, I wonder if it actually rolls and ends up on the number that, like, if, if it, he's using physics to roll the dice and then the number that comes on the top is the, the top face. You know I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like Whichever direction works. he's That's... decided is is orientation up from the the plane or or, or yeah. from the camera. Yeah, That's and, exactly what it's doing. It's got to be right. Yeah, and and that's yeah. if, if for folks who don't get that, if you haven't played uh, tabletop games that use those, I would say go go check out a board game shop in your local area where where you know it, and if appropriate, given the conditions, uh, and take a look, and you'll see not only the uh, polyhedral dice, like the the twenty sided dice that is uh, common for Dungeons and Dragons. But if you see people playing, you'll notice that, you know, it's not just enough to have that there. People have decided to add, you know, some fun theme to the randomness. So you'll see people who have a, um, what's essentially like a tube, but it is a sculpted, um, uh, like tower from uh, a castle like turret, right? That, uh, that has steps on it and you, you, know, you have like a dragon to the top or something, or possibly at the bottom and you, you drop the dice on there and it bounces, 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 bounces to the bottom. And then whatever it is at the bottom of the moat or lake sort of thing. That's what your number is, right? People add that sure. to add, you know, some something extra, some enthusiasm there. So I think that's why, although I don't know, I assume that dice here from PCAL, I assume that's why they went that route instead of the, oh, just give you a random number and call it good. It was like, well, we can do a little bit more to give you some of that flavor in a digital form of what the physical dice would be doing. Yeah, sure. By the way, a couple comments about the, the Apple event that I wanted to mention too. One is that, do you guys notice it was almost exactly one hour long? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, No, like I guess now that they can they can actually produce them, they can predict the time because it used to also run however long it took, right? Ninety minutes often, right? Um, But and also the little Easter eggs they had in there where they were they were zooming through Apple Park, you know, going from one section to another to talk to the people. And a couple of times they they came across Craig Figueroa and he kind of like just shook his head and said no, Mm. which I think was sort of like there's no phone, there's no phone, sort of in my mind anyway. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, maybe. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that is one of the things that they can do to add a little bit of fun uh i would have liked to see like you know johnny ive walking through in the background with like a coffee cup yeah. that he's sipping from or something yeah. like, oh what's he doing in, there with, in, a, in a robe with his slippers yeah on. yeah like he's just chilling <laughs> right and, and just have some fun with it they can do that sort of thing that you you couldn't normally do with a, a live event yeah yeah interesting interesting yeah no phil schiller either that's another interesting one um okay so yeah my actually i have a question before we get to that i'm just looking at the apple stock price currently what was the the price of, the, of course it went down after yesterday surprise surprise which it always does right um what was the price when it split after it split 
Do you remember After it split, it shot up to, I think, like 135, something like that. No, but what was it when it actually split, though? At the time of the split, it was around 125, maybe. Okay, because it's just a little at 112 right now, so. I told you. I went went down today. Well, yeah, but it went down today. Or, yeah, but split. The whole week. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been telling everyone, people don't want to listen, but splits yeah. don't really mean anything for the stock price. It's a little, there's some psychology. No, I just, I was curious. Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious because, because I was kind of, I was able to keep track of it. It's like switching from metric to, to, or some Fahrenheit to metric. It's, yeah. you know, your, your scale gets changed, right? In the middle of the game. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Cause I remember it was like 90 something last time it split, but anyway. Uh, yeah. So, so my, my pick is a pretty simple one. It's just sort of something I've been doing this week. A couple of things I've been doing this week, but one of them is uh, Muhammad Azam had come out with a core, core data in Swift UI tutorial. So far he's done three and I think he's planning on four videos. Um, where he kind of goes through the new template uh, for uh, core data and in Swift UI and takes it a bit further, um, goes through, adds some sort of um, model view, uh, con- model view, view model kind of stuff um, into the into the mix. Sort of gives a big, good explanation. It's got a couple of nice little nice little tricks for uh, working with um, uh, Swift UI using like creating a creating an extension for a navigation stack, which basically means it becomes reusable throughout the whole app. Um, sort of some smart thinking around the way that code works. But yeah, so if you're curious about uh, working with core data in uh, Swift UI using the new in persistence container kind of metaphor, um, I'd recommend this this set of uh, videos. And they're, they're for free up on um, on the YouTube under his channel. And uh, I'll have a link to the show notes on that. But he's also got a Udemy course, Udemy course, U- Udemy, Udemy, I don't know how you say it, like potato, potato. Um, but they, or Premier, 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 Premier. Um, they've got, uh, he's got a course there on on Swift UI uh, generally that uh, seems to be doing quite well with. So yeah, check that out as well. And that's it for me. All right. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So hey, Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you, how would they find you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. All right, Mark, if people want to get in touch with Mark you. Mark at smapsoft.com. Are you sure about that? <laughs> yeah. I think I was saying last time. I'm getting a lot of spam these days. Yeah. But yeah. what are we going to do? It's the nature of the business. All yeah. right. My name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine is where you'll probably find me. So until next time, we'll say bye-bye. This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. This is friend of the show, Mike Vanockmans. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends. Please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. So use the hashtag AskMTJC. Once again, the podcast's Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Yes.
so last week my experiment with uh, with you know trying to figure out what uh, what's going on here with with you know what I'm what I'm dealing with like in terms of static and stuff didn't work and um, so now I'm like it's a native Mac a native naked Mac I've just got a grounded power supply plugged in and I've got the microphone going right into the USB on the back no monitors no other third party stuff you know i think i think the monitor my old monitor might be what's causing the ground hum but it's interesting cuz Xavier was over on the weekend editing spotcasts and and i sort of said well could you, could you hear the static on my track and he says yeah yeah i could hear that and so i was showing him how to do the filters and stuff like that he says but there's this high pitched whine on the track and i'm like what high pitched whine and he says you know there's a high pitched whine in the track and so i said first of all i have tinnitus right mm. so if there's like a certain frequency of of high pitchedness i can't hear it yeah <laughs> so who who knows how many years we've been we've been serving up you know high pitched wines to people in our podcast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I, well, I, the good news is probably most people's uh, equipment isn't good enough to reproduce that high pitched wine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so I basically with his you know seventeen year old ears, I basically I showed him how what we do with EQ, where we we pinpoint a frequency and we drag it right down to like nothing. So it looks if you look at it, it looks like 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 almost like a black hole in the middle of the of the the bar that goes across. And I sort of said, well, so I. I dragged down a part and I said is he here and they moved it a little to the left a little to the right and he's so he says it got taken out so we'll have to have to have some discerning ears listen to spot cast to see if they can see the because he said it was also on jonathan's track too which is kind of interesting so, and, yeah. and i thought the high-pitched wine was just you guys talking about how bad uh, that last uh, star trek series was <laughs> <laughs> yeah well there's another season coming mark you got that to look forward to i gave up my subscription Did I you never, really yeah I, oh. I just got the free one and i never paid for it I, it wasn't worth it ah uh, right right yeah so you've not seen lower decks then i guess nope might as well wait till discovery season three finishes starts and yeah. finishes and then maybe yeah. they'll have a promo and you can binge your free again yeah i don't even know if i want to watch it it was i, I enjoyed it so little last time yeah i really didn't like did you it. watch season two did you watch the second season yeah or? i watched the second season yeah so would you watch if it was just christopher pike and number one and spock oh yeah i might watch that. that i might watch that that's coming yeah. that's 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 coming up. That's called what's it called, Jaime? Um, Strange New Worlds. Oh. Strange New Worlds. Yeah. Uh-huh. Where would they get that yeah. from? So, you know, they've got season one of Discovery coming out on uh, CBS, the broadcast network. So, uh, Mark, perhaps a few years from now, he'll be able to catch up on all the episodes. And yeah. they're like, "All right, season five. So we're we're doing a marathon of the first four seasons. All right, I'll put it in the background. It's free. Meh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, well, I, I got to be honest. I got to be honest. Like, yeah, it, it's not my favorite Star Trek either. The first season of of Discovery. You know, I really didn't enjoy the Klingon stuff and the subtitles, and yeah, it was just a bit too much, right? The second season was better, but uh, but then you know, it, it, you know, it's not. I don't know. I think they're they're trying too hard. I mean, you know, like if you look at you know how the next generation was little, it, the next generation was different than Star Trek, right? The original series, and um, enough that you know it made made for compelling TV, but it it was kind of stiff in its own way too. And then um, Voyager was an interesting take, and then Deep Space Nine was a completely different take as well well right so but you know they but they had there was this i don't know maybe it was because roddenberry was still around and had some sort of direction involved right i don't know i can, I can ask Tommy about this tomorrow on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> not waste our time on this show